0: Welcome, welcome to episode 28 of The Point of Pittsburgh, the podcast. I am
1: Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve DiMaselli. Steve, uh, you doing all right? Yeah, yeah, really good. Uh, It's cooled off. Last week, the the Pacific Northwest is just not made for the heat. So, um, and, and last week I was just in a room that was like 110 degrees that's not true but i mean there's no air conditioning anywhere to be found at least not in like apartments but um you know but we we cooled off this week to a much more reasonable mid-70s so it's it's nice and comfortable out here that's cool um so basically you're saying it's about as cool as the pirates bats have been I don't know. I mean, yeah, they've been kind of... They haven't been frigid, but, you know, they haven't... They certainly haven't been blazing hot, you know. Yeah. It's, it hasn't been terrible, but, you know, it hasn't nice, been good either. They had a nice run uh, for two games where... Yeah. They tortured the
0: front-running AL Cy Young and the front-running NL Cy Young uh, starting pitchers. So that was fun. But then they mm-hmm. went back to... Um, some frustrating things, uh, some bad managerial decisions, some terrible base running, but I digress. We're getting a little bit of of ourselves up first, uh, is the weekly therapy session known as the safe space. And I believe
1: it is your time on the couch. Yeah. So, um, I'm probably not going to be as, uh, vivacious as I have been in previous weeks on the, on the couch, but, um, I'm getting a little tired of people quitting on prospects too soon. I I, I mean, and and I'm talking specifically about guys that come up to the majors and and struggle for a bit, you know. Um, And and I am specifically talking to you roller coaster fans out there, you know, the the folks that we talked about last week and that you brought up on the couch a few weeks Mm ago. Um, Mm -hmm. Guys take time. They're not always finished products when they get to the majors. In fact, they're going to find out some things that they never knew about themselves because now they're facing major league quality coaching on the other side. So teams are going to adjust. Those players are going to adjust back. Those players are going to look stupid for a little while. But eventually they're going to get there and and they're going to be decent players if you just give them enough time for the most part. And I'm going to cite... Um, you know, a guy who we're going to talk about quite a bit on this episode, and that is Mitch Keller. You know, um, there's a lot of kids and a lot of young players that Pirates fans have been like, oh, you know, after a cup of coffee, they're like, ah, oh, no, get this guy out of my, get this guy out of my face. You know, Tyler Glasnow seems to be another one that I remember people, you know, not wanting to give enough time for, you know, and, uh, you know, do they need to take their lumps at the major league level? No, they don't. But, uh, you know, they can go up and down, and there's nothing wrong with that. And there's some guys on this team right now that probably need a quick stint in the minors to get their act together. Um, But that being said, that doesn't mean that they're done. You know, there's lots of guys that come up, go down, come up again, and go down again, and then end up having perfectly functioning major league careers. So... Uh, let's just give these guys some time, and that's that's the point of this season is to give those guys a little bit of time to get their feet wet, so that when the real window starts to open up next year, and you know, hopefully next year and moving forward, they're going to be ready to take the reins. Steve, uh, not as much hot fire as you've had no. in some recent ones, but
0: I'm still here for you, man. Thanks. And, and you're right. You're right. So uh, this is our twenty eighth episode. Um, I've enjoyed them all, but i yep. got to say that probably in my top three favorite was episode number six. And we did a segment there called How Much Is Steve's Soul Worth? where I basically took you through the eight levels of potential ownership hell and wanted to see how squeamish you would get. Uh, and We did that as a fun little thought exercise. Well, to kind of cross-pollinate here a little bit, The Ottawa Senators in the National Hockey League are up for bid, and um, they're down to the final four bidders that were, I believe, due yesterday. And I just want to run through some of the four bidders here, because I don't know if this is just how all sports are, or if we're being prescient or whatever, but uh, we had um, level number two was Hollywood Celebrity. Okay. And for a long time, Ryan Reynolds' name was connected, but he actually dropped out. But hold on, there's another Hollywood celebrity. Uh, he actually is a hockey fan. I'm not going to judge him on this, but how would you feel about Snoop Dogg owning
1: the Ottawa Senators as part of their ownership group? seems like it seems like a lot of fun you know although I like I like Snoop Dogg's like random loyalties to Pittsburgh so I mean this seems to crush that a little bit like it it does dream of Snoop Dogg becoming a minority owner of the Penguins just feels you know that feels dead if he buys the the Sens so I kind of hope I, I hope maybe he's listening to this podcast and he decides to maybe maybe his group buys out Fenway I mean that seems like it would be a good thing So, because, you know, Fenway is really known for, you know, running successful, consistent franchises. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, There's the generic
0: rich guy, not from Pittsburgh. There's a gentleman named Michael Andlauer. He's a Toronto businessman. No clue what he does. Um, And then... Maple syrup. That's what he does. That's exactly right. Just keep keep that maple syrup flowing. Right. We also have... A hedge fund manager this is a brother a brother team uh, I believe also out of Toronto uh, they are ch- ch- Jeffrey and Michael Kimmel okay uh, and and then there's also a, congl- a conglomerate group of level six crypto bros
1: yeah no we we know how I feel about crypto bros yes that's, that that's a one. that's a hard pass. <laughs> that's a
0: hard pass.
1: Snoop Dogg can smoke his brains out in the yeah. uh, in the owner suite, but you know, no, hell no to crypto bros. Yeah. They are uh, their bro their brains have been broken by something far worse than marijuana, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. That that's exactly so. right. But I just thought that was a humorous
0: little uh, little piece of fact, and I have no no clue on which one of those four is going to get it. Um, but uh, just thought it was kind of funny, like we were sort of
1: semi talking about that, but yeah, not that uh not that I think so I mean, I mean, again, I'm not trying to disparage snoop dogg here or or, or the, his choices in life, you know right but um, and I actually do think that the man has come through uh come through life and and has made some extremely good business decisions, so i I don't want to disparage him. what I do want to disparage is crypto bros that's that's what yes. I'm after here, so yeah. So the the takeaway here I'm getting from you is
0: um, if you get away with murdering a dude, perfectly fine. Uh, trading in blockchain, mm-hmm. trading in blockchain equals the death penalty.
1: I don't know if I would say that necessarily. I mean, I, I like, think that you know, I'm, you I'm, sure, well, one, I'm not, I'm not for, I'm not for capital punishment. Regardless, you sure, but you sure thought about it though, didn't you? <laughs> I mean, I, I think you know i, I, I you know I, I mean if somebody murders somebody, yeah, they should probably go to jail for the rest of their lives if yeah. uh, if if uh if somebody trades in crypto and and likes to talk about it, I have no problem shit posting them or talking badly about them on the podcast. so um that's that's sort of the way that I look. that's the way I look at it, it I mean, I guess if you trade in crypto, but you keep it to yourselves. Then, then I'm fine with you trading in crypto. But if you if you've got to talk to everybody about the um uh, you know about the latest coin that you own, you know it's it's they're like people that you know used to go to CrossFit. You know, you know how do you know that they go to CrossFit? Because it's all that you frigging hear about. You know, like that's that's the problem with crypto is it it goes right from the the dumb brain right to the dumb mouth, and you never hear the end of it. So. I think we maybe should add CrossFit
0: guys into that when well, we redo that. <laughs> they don't list. have enough money. Yeah, that's true.
1: They that's can't true. they can't even afford real gym equipment.
0: <laughs> so uh
1: the pirates have been struggling. It's it's May yeah. and they've been terrible in no, May. Yeah, they haven't been terrible lately. They've been sort of back and forth. They've been playing yeah. five hundred ball. Let's yeah. not say five hundred. That's that's yeah. a little exaggeration.
0: Okay. But the one thing that has been pretty good throughout, even all of May, has been the starting pitching, by and and large, by and large. So now we've had uh, coming off the heels of Monday night's excellent Luis Ortiz start. Uh, Now it looks like Vince Velasquez, who I'll admit I thought was going to be done for a large chunk of the season. Whenever you hear the word right forearm
1: uh, Mm -hmm. discomfort.
0: He's uh, tuning up in AAA, and I just want to ask you, like, I know what the answer is. It's a very easy answer, but what what to do when Vince Velasquez gets healthy?
1: Yeah, I mean, so somebody's got to go down. Yeah. Or you make some weird adjustments to the rotation that, you know, I, I don't think the Pirates are creative enough to make at this point, you know? I think, and, and by weird adjustments, I think you go to a six-man rotation where, you know, Keller starts on normal rest, uh, everybody else gets an extra day, um, and, you know, basically the off-day pitcher, the guy that's going to pitch the next day, sort of casually becomes the middle reliever, you know, just in case somebody's having a bad day, they they come out and the... Third inning, and, and and you know, do some either do some mop up duty or try to keep the game close. Like, to me, that would be an ideal solution. Uh, what's likely going to happen is I think somebody's going to go down, and I think there's two candidates right now. Uh, I think it's, it's fair that both of them to go for them to possibly go down, but I, I'm going to say Luis Ortiz, yeah, uh, even after his good start, and Ronzi. I think, mm-hmm. um, I, I think Oviedo's showing enough that I think it would be really unfair to send him down or take him out of the rotation. I, I think I, I want to see how his two-seamer, splitter, whatever it is, continues to work uh, for him at the major league level. And he's also coming off a really good start. So I think, by and large, he's been better than Ronzi has. Ronzi's results in May have been not great, and his peripherables have, or peripherables, peripherals have been awful. You know, I think he is – in May, I think he's striking – he struck out as many hitters as he's walked. So, I mean, that's not a formula for success. Um, Honestly, he's the guy I would send down at this point. But, again, I think an argument can be made for Luis Ortiz because until, you know, Monday – uh, Ortiz hasn't exactly been very good in, in the majors, but, you know, I mean, I, I think it's very feasible to, you know, uh, leave him on a high note in the majors. He's, fig- I'm sure he's figured out some things to work on and, and he can go down there and really attack the zone, uh, which is why he was successful yesterday, uh, or on Monday, I guess, depending on when I actually get this thing edited and released. Um, but it's, um... But yeah, I, I, to me, I think he—you know, either one of those guys, but I'm, I'm leaning towards Ronzi. What are your thoughts?
0: Well, Occam's razor tells me it's Luis Ortiz. But sure. I would like to see, like you said, um, I, I'll say Oviedo just because he's been a little bit more of a struggle than Ronzi for me, but I'd like to see Oviedo push out someone from the bullpen. And kind of use him as a multi-inning reliever, uh, and I'm not saying that's going to be his permanent home. Sure. Because I, I think we all know that Vince Velasquez and/or Rich Hill were were signed to be traded, sure. uh, potentially. But you know, we could be talking about Rich Hill, wild card starter. Um, but in theory, you know, Oviedo obviously has the longer runway than Rich Hill or Vince Velasquez. So I'd like to see them stay up here, work with Oscar Marine, uh, and, and do something like that. Especially like you said with the sinker, which is promising.
1: And and I do think that the Pirates are drastically lacking in that middle re- relief solution. So I mean, like I, I like the idea of I, I don't hate the idea of of having that player on this team. I just don't like the idea of it being uh, I, I like I said I think um, I, I think he's uh, I think Oviedo's earned the shot it's staying in the rotation, but, um, yeah, yeah but I mean, I agree like, I, I don't, I, I, I hate the idea of sending any of them down right now. I mean, but it, reps are reps. And I think, you know, particularly, uh, you know, um, Ronzi, I think he could definitely use some time to get some things right. So, um, that middle relief slot, I mean, that could easily go to a guy that's not like a first run prospect, like a guy like Osvaldo Beto, who's been doing pretty good, In Indianapolis, like he could easily fill that role if they chose to even uh, Cody Bolton, I think, could stretch out and do that as well, too. You know, so pitch a few innings a game. So but it's not something they don't need. And I think it would be helpful for him to be that guy, um, because I think he'd slot in pretty nicely after, um, you know, if Ronzi's slider is not working or if, if, you know, if if if, uh, Luis Ortiz is just sort of missing the zone. Um, I, I think it would work, but I, I'm not necessarily I, – like I said, I, I, I prefer Oviedo in the rotation. I think that's where his upside is, and I think he's the closest to being ready to stick in the rotation.
0: Yeah, I 100%, 100% agree with all that,
1: but I
0: guess I'm just looking to try to maximize as many assets as possible. and Sure, sure. I- improve on a pretty shoddy, long-relief situation that the Pirates have yeah. right now.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely is bad, and I, I definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah. So uh, all the pitchers, you know, have had their moments,
0: but there's one that has been shining like a bright North Star all season long. And that is one Mitch Keller for the Pirates, who, as of this recording, is now uh, third in the National League in pitcher, starting pitcher F4, um, trailing only Zach Gallen, who the Pirates... Uh, made them call daddy last Friday, mm-hmm. and Spencer Strider, who's decided just to strike out every living human uh, that he sees this year, but Mitch Keller is right there with him uh, in third. And you said something on the pod last last week, almost as like a little bit of an aside, when I was talking about how Garrett Cole's 2015 to me was like the uh, the most Cy Young worthy season I've seen in a very long time, probably since. Doug Drabeck's actual Cy Young season in 1990. Uh, and you kind of made me realize that I better go back and compare those two guys. Um, because one thing you, you said that kind of struck, stuck out to me is that Cole didn't even strike out um, a batter per inning. I mean, he was really, really close. Right. Which, which we'll talk about in a second here. But uh, Keller, if you look at them side by side... Has pretty much got Cole beat across the board, and he's even gonna maybe potentially outpace him on innings, uh, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So the Pirates have had a very long uh, and history laden franchise. Um, I know a lot of people like to focus on the recent, uh, you know, short 30, 40 years of relative non success, but this is a very history laden franchise. But sure. The Pirates have not really had great pitchers. You know, they're they're more known for the Bats, the Stargills, the Clemente's, sure. the, the Hans Wagners of the world. The but, Jason Bays. Exactly. But uh, if you do a sort by pitcher war from 1950 to 1923, so basically we're just going to call it the integration era, uh, the top... Eight pitchers by war are all named Bob. Huh? Yeah. Now I don't mean to put huh. you know, I don't mean to put you on the spot, my friend. But how many Bobs?
1: There's three of them. How many Bobs can you name in the top eight? Huh? well and i'm, I'm kind of looking I'm, I'm looking at the rundown so i'm sorry i i, I know i know the answer already so well, we, I, I feel i feel i feel inauthentic by um you know,
0: god can so. you not let me have like it ain't any, bob
1: walk though it's not bob walk <laughs> no. it's not bob walk i'll tell you that much so uh bob friend who's
0: yep. probably the second best pitcher in pirate history behind Vern law even though Vern law is not in the Top 10 for a single season of okay. Pitcher War. Um, Bob Moose got one of them mm-hmm. in 1972. And I've never even heard of him. <laughs> and then it's uh, Bob Veal, who was interesting, um, because he, in an era where people where pitchers did not really get a lot of strikeouts, was a strikeout artist. He was kind of like the Ur-Oliver Perez
1: Okay.
0: He, he had a lot of strikeouts and also a lot of walks. Um, but he is the leader at eight war for his 1965 okay. season where he went 17 and 12 in 37 starts for 266 okay. innings. And he struck out over a batter a game, but he also walked four people per nine. Okay. Uh, but with all that action, he still managed to keep a 284 ERA. And a 211 FIP, which generated an eight war.
1: So, those um, are wild numbers for it's, back then, too. Oh, it's like, totally that's insane wild. To, to strike yeah. out more than a batter an in inning and to walk that many dudes. Like, that just didn't happen. Yeah.
0: Now, Garrett Cole's 2015, in which he came in fourth in the sci, uh, is good for 10th. And we'll call that the modern standard, uh, basically, since. I don't even want to say since you and I were born Because there's a couple guys on here Since I was born But we'll just call it the 2000s
1: Sure
0: Um, And he had 5.2 war Or excuse Mm -hmm. me, 5.1 So if you sort again by just 2000 uh, Mitch Keller's already got the 30th best season And we're only (laughs) a a quarter of the way through Which is a damning indictment On (laughs) Pirates starting pitchers Right. In the 20, 21st century. Um, but here's some other interesting fact about Keller. He's not Spencer Strider, but he is also just striking out every person he encounters yeah. as well. Uh, if you sort by 1950, he has the highest K per nine, even higher than Oliver Perez's 10.97. Wow. Mitch, Mitch Keller is at 11.06. Um, now, war does not necessarily work by just saying that we're a quarter of the way through the season to so take his 1.8... Right, and, and multiply and, by four. And, ...and multiply by four. But I think we can pretty safely say that um, at this pace, we're looking at eclipsing Garrett Cole's 5.1 sure. war uh, and, and really starting to maybe get into rarefied air. If he were to get six war in this season that would time for fifth in this, okay. in this exercise. Uh, and, and that's really saying something. Um, and you know, he, he's up against Zach Allen and Spencer Strider at the moment, but it's, it feels like it's gonna be one of these seasons that he's going to have an all time great pirate season, but, uh, potentially come in, uh, As the bridesmaid on a a Cy Young. But that's not diminishing anything that he's doing, I don't think. But it it is amazing what he is up to in this young season. It even caught me by surprise. Uh, And I just didn't know if you had any thoughts. Another factoid for you. Since 1950, again, he currently has the seventh best ERA uh, of any Pirate pitcher in a single season. Mm Mm-hmm. Garrett Coles, 2015, was good for 10th in that same time frame. So, <laughs> yeah, we're really seeing something special here.
1: Yeah, I, and I agree with you on that. I mean, I think he, it's it's the start of something. I mean, we still have a long way to go, obviously. I mean, I, I can't, you know, I can't say that enough. Um, but, I mean, yeah, he's already, uh, like you said, I mean, it's already been a, a pretty great season, relatively speaking, for him, you know, even if it does um you know i mean a fairly good season even if it does go the wrong way but i i don't i'm not envisioning that happening i mean like i i kind of had an obs- observation of him during his last start uh, and i i i don't know if you've like one of the issues with him when he first got up here was like how straight his fastball was and his fastball is still straight it's just now he has three other fastballs that go in different directions You know, I mean, he's getting some tail on and he's getting some tail on his change up away from a left handed batter or into a a right handed batter. Um, I mean, his sinker goes in the same direction a little bit. I don't know if it's more of a I I think they've I've heard him calling his sinker a two seamer lately, Um, you know, and, and that seems to run in on right handed batters. You got the actual like a proper sinkers going down in the zone and then you've got a cutter that's going away from right-handed batters into uh lefties and i mean it's um it, it's just that 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 fastballs every bit as straight as it once was but now it's 97 miles an hour and you don't know if it's going to go some other way you know like yeah. he can throw it right over the heart of the plate and 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 batters just kind of have to guess where to put the head of the bat you know at, at this point um i mean even are, just on his fastball
0: <laughs> we are witness to perhaps the greatest glow up in our lifetime of, of a pitcher. For, yeah, I, I was looking.
1: well anyone. I mean, I, I was looking for examples of of people that were that struggled as much as him and and came around. And, and don't get me wrong. There's lots and lots and lots of pitchers out there that get got off to slow starts. You know, like a, a you know point something war seasons their first and second years, and then you know then blowing up you know to the next year. You know, and then five or six. But not guys that were like you know, almost in like negative territory where it's like that you, 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 you had to question whether or not this guy's really going to even have a shot, you know, yeah. um, there's lots of guys that, like I said, that get off to slow starts. It's actually pretty routine for pitchers to get off to slow starts in their career before they turn things around. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, but he's, he's insane. I, I think I have one example. I'm going to look it up, but I'm going to let you talk while I type. Mm-hmm. So I think I thought of somebody, but go ahead.
0: So I mean, you know, we we've kind of joked about this, uh, but like every start that he takes now, he is just adding money to that potential contract mm-hmm. extension. Sure. And you know, I think we asked it a few episodes ago. Did did the Pirates miss the window to extend them? And I wouldn't say they missed the window, but that window is getting very pricey right now. Sure. And uh, it it sure seems like. I don't know if it's going to get done in season at this point. You know, he, yeah, no, it, he it's may want to let run. this one ride. Yeah,
1: yeah, he, he might want to see how it goes. But again, we talked about this before. I, if if I'm a pitcher, I'm letting people pay me. Okay, so my thought was, and it's not nearly as extreme as I thought. Although it is, it is pretty extreme. But I mean, you know, uh, his second season, Randy Johnson went from a one point six. F four season four point eight two ERA seven point two eight K per nine five point three eight BB or uh, you know walks per nine and and then just you know stayed in kind of that range you know for the next few seasons and then his twenty nine season he was a seven more pitcher yeah. you know so I mean even then it was like it wasn't that he was necessarily bad he had one kind of miss season. Um, and then just started, you know, slowly getting better, you know, and then the walk started to tick down after his 28th season, you know, and, and, and those strikeouts really played, but that was the one guy that I was thinking that might be, oh, I, you know, comparable. And I'm not saying that Mitch Keller is a comparable pitcher to Randy Johnson yet. Yeah. It's just that, you know, that just kind of sort of iterates Again, these guys aren't showing up as finished products. You got to give them some time to really, um, to really go nuts. You know, I, I agree that there's plenty of other guys out there, but, I guess I was thinking more just from a pirate standpoint. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what I, you're saying. I, it's hard for me I can't. to remember a guy that has glowed up this much. I can think of some guys that have started well and have, Oh yeah. You know, tanked. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've even talked about a couple of those guys already on the, uh, on the Absol- episodes. Uh, Absolutely. But. So, uh,
0: we end every show by doing three stars and you know, you know, it, just like like we said a couple episodes ago, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. There were some definite huge games. Uh, the opening game of the Diamondback series, uh, last night's game was
1: good. Um, so I just wanted to see if we could cobble together three stars. You want to uh, start us off? Yeah, sure. So my third star, since I know he's not going to be on your list, is Key Brian Hayes. He's actually had a really, really good week. Um, and, you know, the... <laughs> bases clearing triple um that put the pirates in a good position to win against the Diamondbacks. Uh, he's hit a few doubles. He's 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 shown some gap power. Um, you know, I, I, I he's had a good week. I mean, there's really no arguing that that Key Brian Hayes has had a pretty good week. Not a great day today, but um and by today, I mean Tuesday, not a great game for him, but he did have a, a good week and I'll I'll make him my third star. All right. That's that's perfectly fine if
0: you like mediocrity. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Luis Ortiz. I'm going to tip my cap. Uh, whether or not he's on his way on the shuttle back to Indianapolis or not, as we record this, i uh, got to tip his cap for a great game last night, seven and two thirds. Um, got a little tired, you know, left, left one up there a little bit, but uh, great game for Luis Ortiz. I think you and I are both fans of his and I think, we both believe his future
1: will be bright uh, at yeah. some some point for the Pirates here, full-time. Now that that change-up is looking good, I, I definitely think it's bright. So uh, for my th- second star, I'm going to go with uh, Tucapita Marcano mm-hmm. for uh, pretty much single-handedly putting the Pirates uh, on, his, uh, on his back on Monday for the win. So, um, you know, if, if you hit a grand slam and that grand slam ultimately becomes the game-winner, I, uh, I I I got to put you on the three stars, especially when it's kind of a mediocre week, like it's been. He's been he's been hitting pretty well though in general. It's not just that. You know, yeah. So uh,
0: we're going to share our second star, and um, I guess just to kind of take a little bit of a different slant since you kind of covered him. Uh, just a reminder that he was traded for one or maybe two months of Adam Fraser. Uh, yes. So he and Jack Swinsky. And I believe, if I'm recalling right, Michel Miliano was yeah. the third guy yeah. in there who's mm-hmm. flashed a little bit this year. He needs to kind of sure. move up a little bit, but very fast. Uh, that's been a very
1: good trade for the Pirates so far. Uh, so, who you got at number one? So you're going you're you're, you're sticking with uh, you're sticking with me on Tugapita on number two. Yeah, I'll ride with you on that one. So I, I actually have uh, – I, I I should have Keller on my list, but I just wanted to be a little different this week. I'm actually going with Ortiz as my number one star, mm-hmm. though. I thought he had a great outing. Uh, really yeah. put the Pirates in a position to to win uh, yesterday and really uh, super efficient. I really think he could have gone a little bit longer. Uh, Mitch Keller probably deserves to be on my list, and I'm I'm presuming that's the direction you decided to head in.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it feels basic at this point, but uh-huh. – um, You know, you you can't get tired of greatness. You can't take it for granted. No, Um, I do. not but you're right. You shouldn't. So I I said this on Twitter. Um, Here's a basic rule of thumb for you, Steve. If Pitching Ninja features you four times as you're starting, uh, you probably shouldn't get pulled after only 84 pitches.
1: Yeah, and I I think ultimately what kind of pulled me back on that is actually really a Bad managerial decision to pull him, you know. Um, I, I thought it was possible that he might come out, and I, I guess I, I thought it was a bad decision even at the time. But I was like, okay, I'm. He didn't have a great inning the inning prior, um, so I'm I'm willing to roll with this. Uh, I mean, it was a dumpster fire, so I mean, it just just sort of turned into a disaster. So this
0: kind of uh, blends in a little bit to my potential rant. Maybe that's my safe space next week. Preview spoiler that I'm, I'm really tired of sticking with veterans just cause, you know, at, like the Underwoods and the Stevenson's of the world who have never, I've staked this out. Even when times were good um, in April, I said, the pirates, if they're looking at the deadline, they need to upgrade in the bullpen. Um, I, I'm really here for Johan Ramirez, Dari Moretta, uh, maybe getting a look in the seventh inning over those guys right now because they are yeah. struggling, and uh, Shelton and Stevenson combined to blow that game.
1: Yeah. Uh, for the for Mitch Keller, uh, Moretta's earned the seventh inning, in my humble opinion. I, yeah. I understand they want him in the fireman role, but he's earned the seventh inning, as far as I'm concerned. He's been pretty dominant, and yeah. and, and, and that slider of his just works like no other in baseball like yep. it's it's just so confusing to pitcher or, or hitters so yeah. yeah he's he's my guy yep. for sure
0: so uh, another solid episode Steve sure yeah I agree uh, enjoy your family visiting you yeah this week um, and until then uh, I think it's time for us to maybe part company sure. and bid adieu to our loyal listeners. Uh, One of which is apparently not Derek Shelton because I told him I wanted Connor Joe in the leadoff spot and that has not happened. So that's, that's sad that
1: Derek's not listening. Maybe tweet that in, maybe tweet this episode directly at him, you know, include him at, at him in the, uh, him in the tweet. Yeah. Should I tweet it at Joe Mangianella since they probably like, you know, share each other's tweets. Since he's like his stunt double. And I'm Steve DiMaselli. <laughs> I'm Kevin Cray. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.